Pursuit of Podcast, a purely guest-centric show focusing on people and organizations that advance positive change. Positivity can be anywhere, and in a time of vast discord, the pursuit of is finding those who champion its causes loudest. Join us as we sit and learn about the pursuits of local leaders in their community. Let's go. Hello, good people, and welcome to the Pursuit of Podcast, where it's truly not us, it's you. I'm Ryan Buck, artist development, New Leonard Media, and with me is the boss, Mark Wilson, president, New Leonard Media. How are you? I'm doing great, you're Ryan, but you know what? Everybody has glasses but me. That's a today. bummer. That is enough of that about us, just the chit-chat, chit-chat. More importantly, our guests today are Matt McDonough, CEO and Stephanie Rustam, Program and Fundraising Coordinator, Discovery Center and Peer. Hi. Hello. Hi, thanks for having us. Yeah, it, for did having it us. feel awkward about what to say right there? A little bit. Yeah, a little and, bit. Because <laughs> we talked about this, and you have not done podcasts before, and I'm surprised by that. Legitimately. Yeah, no, I've never done a podcast. Nope, me neither. And maybe because of your roles, what you have to do, I assume that this is something that is just a huge part of your life, but... You're doing well so far, I'll say this. And ahead of recording, I don't think I've laughed so much. So the idea of humor as a way to start is good. But and we don't often have two guests, and this is really exciting to be able to have more voices. But I ask, and I've been asking this question at the open, and it's the first time I've asked it of two. And it's been a recent question, and I'm going to go with it because I thought maybe this would not be appropriate for this question. But... Let's say you're at a gathering, a social gathering, a party. We're doing that again, right? Mm-hmm. Parties. Oh, yeah. we're, oh, yeah. we're, doing, we're doing parties. All right. So you're at a party, both of you, and somebody comes up to you and they say, what do you do? What's the party version? The, or the, you know, the social version? Does that make sense? Sure. All right. So, and so in, in the social dynamic, you would say you go? <laughs> you go I, first, man. Well, <laughs> Stephanie is... Is I mean, and we talk about this a lot. She's a great partner for me and for the Discovery Center. And so much of the success of the organization is attributed to her contributions as a person. And so if that comes up, I would say, yes, Stephanie and I work at the Discovery Center and Pier. We're sort of run everything there. I would start with that. Okay. She's such an integral part of what we do. And would you chime in at this point? Yeah. Or is that sufficient? Yeah. In in a party. Yeah, in a party. All right. I would say, well, you know... Matt and I are really excited about getting more people access to the Great Lakes. So we're trying to remove barriers to interacting with the Great Lakes, whether that's picnicking beside the Great Lakes or canoeing, kayaking, fishing, any of those sorts of things. Going for a sail on a sailboat. Really, uh, there are opportunities for a lot of us in this community to go and do those things. But there are a lot of people that live here too that aren't able to do that, whether it's a financial barrier or there's a physical barrier that's preventing them from being included. So, Yeah. So, I mean, that's what, uh, you know, our mission at the Discovery Center is to connect people of all ages, needs, and abilities to Great Lakes. And we do that really through two things. One is we've got this great opportunity to start with a clean slate, this old coal dock that we're transforming into a barrier-free public park. And so there's all sorts of features and amenities that are really built to be an intent with a lot of intention that were designed and are being built right now to be barrier free and accommodating for all people. And then our programming really focuses on casting a wider net so that people 
with financial and physical barriers have the same opportunities as the rest of us do. Right. And so that's good. That's compelling at a party. And so when you're asked what you do in a social situation, what is your intent with the answer usually? Is it just to be social or is there something usually driving you at this point when somebody asks you what you do? Well, for me, I know I'm just really excited about the work that we do. Obviously, there's always things in the back of my head of what I'm thinking about the next step is for the organization. But I, quite frankly, was excited to be offered the opportunity to work for Discovery Center and Peer because we are so focused on creating opportunities for everybody. I think that a lot of populations are oftentimes forgotten about, and this is an opportunity for us to include more people in Great Lakes experiences when the Great Lakes are a part of our community. Yeah. Again, I think at this point you'd have a little semicircle around you. And so I'm wondering from that semicircle, what questions do you normally get? And are they good ones? Are they relevant? We're in kind of an interesting point in our history. So the Discovery Center was first, the idea for it first came about, gosh, probably 17 years ago now, when an individual donated some real estate to Rotary Charities and Rotary Camps and Services. And they had a a nice vision for the facility, but for a number of reasons, that vision was never really realized. And so about four years ago, the boards of Rotary Charities and Camps and Services said, you know, we need to kind of change, change up some things. We need to change up the governance structure and the leadership. And so we're now part of this relaunch of the organization. And so it's interesting, people's perception sometimes is of this site along M22 where there's some different nonprofits that kind of, oh, is that where, so are you guys part of the Children's Museum or are you guys part of this group? Well, they're tenants on our site, but we're now... So the idea is just kind of too amorphous for the, well, because it, of... Well, it, it was because of this long history and it wasn't really... How do I put this? You know, it was there wasn't a, like a concerted effort or a very successful effort, maybe in terms of really communicating what the Discovery Center was all about. And under the new leadership, we've really we've taken the organization in a new direction. I mean, it's the first time you know we are we do programming ourselves now on site with some of our different partners, and and that was never done. You know, the Discovery Center was it was essentially a landlord for the first 15 years of its existence. It really was. You know, they had some tenants on the site that were kind of freshwater related, but they shared a campus and they helped manage a campus for these different nonprofits that were, that either had their offices or did some of their programming from the Discovery Center. And so we're now creating an identity well above and beyond being just a landlord. I mean, we do programming ourselves and now we're doing fundraising to completely redevelop everything, not just the old coal dock, but our entire campus. Right. In the process well, of- some of that language that you started off with, landlord and tenant and campus sounded very cold. Right. It didn't sound <laughs> Discovery Center and Pier, yeah. but all of it sounds, and I'm sure that's not just nomenclature, no. but it's you with a breath of fresh air and vision. And you talked about in, in your mission statement, and I love you talk about connecting people of all ages, abilities, and needs through recreation, education, history, science, and stewardship. You mentioned history. How important is that to the organization right now, the history? 
where it's been and moving forward? Or does looking back really have no place? So that mission was put in place when this most recent board was formed. And we tried to capture everything that was already being done on the site from our partners slash tenants. So the Maritime Heritage Alliance is one of our more prominent tenants. They've got, 30 years ago, they built the old schooner replica called Madeline, which is Madeline, the original vessel has quite a history in Grand Traverse Bay. And they were able to rally the troops and a lot of funding. And they, it was a big community project. And they built the, the Madeline. It's actually at, at the site of the old uh, Great Lakes campus. Oh, that's cool. They just celebrated the 30th anniversary of it. I think it was last year. They've got a whole fleet of other older wooden boats or wooden boat replicas. Mm-hmm. And so history was part of our, our mission a few years ago, really to try to respect and capture the work that was already being done on the site through that partner. Right. So... And are those, Stephanie, things that you are able to use, elements that you're able to use in your role? Does storytelling ever come up and not telling stories, but that part of it? Yeah. So I would say the greatest strength that we have with the historical aspect is being able to invite youth from the community to our campus and in our partnership with Maritime Heritage Alliance. These kids are actually coming in, they're building small replicas of ships that were sailed the Great Lakes, you know, shipwrecks from years ago, and learning hands-on skills for how to build boats or do some other sort of carpentry or basic painting skills or anything like that. So really inviting new populations of people into the fold and using history in these kind of model building as a a way to introduce them to the Great Lakes and and, you know, eventually become stewards and that sort of thing. Right. Well, because you wonder in a time of really overstimulated kids and then in an attempt to pull them back they're almost over understimulated with all these other things that we're trying to get them back to so you wonder what place history has in all of that because you're trying to engage youth at an early time to become positive stewards which is really exciting now matt first ceo we talked about titles ahead of time but that is your title you're yep. having to live with it yep <laughs> And since 2019, a lot of fanfare, a lot of articles out there. You know, there's a lot of people on the move. So what sort of unique opportunities does a first of this kind present to you? That's a great question. I want to be thoughtful in how I answer it. Because we were essentially a landlord, I looked at that vision and I said, well, what are we doing deliberately ourselves to connect people of all ages, needs, and abilities to the Great Lakes? And so that was a pretty good launching pad from. And so we basically said, well, look, they were in really early stages of what, you know, how might we redevelop this coal dock that we recently purchased from Traverse City Light and Power. And there wasn't really anything being done in the preliminary planning for that that was deliberate to be accommodating for people of all ages, needs, and abilities. And so I had some ideas about how we could broach that. And I can get into that if you'd like. Yeah. And then I said, well, what about from a programming standpoint? There's organizations out there that do great work with science education, some history stuff, but who's being deliberate about introducing kids or people with disabilities to the Great Lakes? Mm-hmm. Nobody. I said, okay, well, how can we, how can we do this? So it was really about kind of, le- I like to say, it like I looked at like, all right, here's our mission, but what are we doing deliberately to help accomplish it? And then I said, okay, well, what are our assets and how can we leverage our assets 
right. move forward with those assets to deliberately accommodate people of all ages, needs, and abilities in connecting with the Great Lakes. So, so I'll start with the pier design. So I had a good friend, colleague of mine, Jim Moore, was the executive director of the Disability Network mm-hmm. uh, of Northern Michigan. He's since retired. But I got to know him when I, at my time when I was with the Conservancy doing land for public land acquisition projects. And I called Jim. I said, Jim, I said, you know, we could go, I could go along or about developing this plan for improvements on the pier and be really well-intentioned, but I want to make sure about, you know, making sure things were ADA compliant or, you know, going a step above that, which is universal accessibility compliant. But I don't want to look at this through my lens. How could we work together? And right away, Jim said, well, you know what? How about we pull together a cross-disability focus group so people with different disabilities, some might have mm-hmm. physical impairments, some might right. be in wheelchairs, some might have visual impairments, some might have other mobility challenges. Different needs. He said, let me kind of think about our clients and I'll work with some of our caseworkers and we'll pull together a group of outdoor enthusiasts, kind of folks that would, would use a site like this right. and we can hear from them. And this was during COVID, this is during the, you know, the, kind of yeah. the early part of the pandemic. And so we did a couple of Zoom meetings. And I shared with them on the screen and then talked through some of the different things that we were thinking about. And right away, there was like, I mean, hands were going up like, well, here's an idea. What was well, the here's energy like in that meeting? Was that overwhelmingly positive? Just the ideas and the oh, people yeah. together talking about this? Oh, yeah, it was great. And I learned a lot. It's like, I'll just give you an example. So we already had thought about, well, let's make sure some of the railing along our east wall of the pier, which is the one kind of facing into the bay, we wanted to have some of its some of the sections lower to be able to accommodate people in wheelchairs and kids to be able to cast a fishing rod over. Because right now, if you were sitting in a wheelchair, you wouldn't be able to cast a line right. over the railing right. that was there. Sure. So that was kind of an obvious one. And they were able to share with me, like, well, make sure it's got also areas for our feet in our wheelchairs to be able to go underneath the railing, you know, so there's, right. a ga- there's got to be a bigger gap at the bottom and there's regulations around so all accessibility, this. safety, there's accessibility. a lot yeah. to consider. And, you know, I had one person say, I really like to paint. I, I could see myself sitting out there and painting sailboats because there's a public right. marina just next door to us, but I'm sensitive to the sunlight. I can't get too hot. Yeah, and there's no shade out there. And then another guy piped in. He says, yeah, I'm on some medication that I can't be in the sunlight. You know, and there's a lot of medications that make you sensitive to sunlight. So we said, well, how about some shade structures? They're like, oh, yeah, that'd be great. You know, and the guy who was fishing said, yeah, I'd be able to put my rod in a rod holder and then just wheel my wheelchair back under the shade structure 10 feet away kind of a thing. And then I could be able to hang out there all day. Or even if it started to rain, I could get out of the inclement weather, you know, and still enjoy sitting there and fishing for a few hours. Right. So that was like these big epiphanies like, oh man, that's, well, that's easy, man. We can put up some shade structures. The other thing that I learned, and I think this was from, from Jim, he said, you know, Matt, he says, if you're able-bodied and you want to go spend the day in Traverse City, you might go to four or five places in a day. Sure. Because it's easy, right? You can get around easily. If you have physical challenges, just getting ready and getting to one place can take a lot of time and energy. And so you're more apt to only go to one place. So let's make sure if you do make that effort to go fishing at the pier, and it does start to rain a little bit, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean you got to pack up and leave right away. It, right. it means you can wheel back your wheelchair up, get out of the rain, and still enjoy fishing for a couple hours before you pack it up. You know what I mean? So it's just, yeah. there's these little one-offs like that, that, I mean, making sure there's color differences between the walking area and the parking lot driving because area. Because you I mean, talk a lot things. about going above and beyond, going beyond ADA compliance even, 
and in wanting to be thoughtful in your design that way. And that's an insight into how much you have to consider. How many things, well, not that you have to consider, but that you are considering, that you will put those people together in a room and get as many ideas. But then you start to get ideas and they cost money. So how often do your brains have to go, that's a great idea. I mean, do you know right away? Or, I mean, that's obviously, you know, a sensitive subject to everybody now. But how often are those easy ideas easy to implement? <laughs> uh, can I take a stab at yeah. this? <laughs> well, nothing's easy right now. I mean, costs have increased on materials and labor. and But when you're starting from scratch to turn an old coal dock into a public park, it costs X. To make it accessible for everyone, it's not, you know, two times X. It might be like X plus 20% or something. It's right, not that right. much more, you know, sure. and why, and you've had this opportunity now, you know, at the early stages, it's way cheaper to do right. it now than right. try to modify it later kind of yeah. thing. We take it very seriously. You never, I'm going to tell you a story and I'm going to try not to get choked up telling it. This summer, we partnered with Arts for All, and they're a group that work with disabled individuals, really more in an art setting. But we said, hey, you know, we have some opportunities here. And some of the programming we do is, is just getting butts in boats, mm -hmm. you know, just giving them a recreational experience, just giving people that wouldn't otherwise have that opportunity a chance to connect to the Great Lakes. And so we, we work with one of our business partners, Traverse Tall Ship Company. They own the, the big Manitou, 114-foot mm -hmm. schooner. And we have, you know, new floating docks already uh, on the pier as part of an early phase that was involved dredging and stuff. We had custom-made boarding platforms made to match the freeboard or the, you know, kind of where mm -hmm. the, the threshold is to cross over onto the deck of a boat yeah. for each of the tall ships. And then we had a wheelchair lift made that was compatible with all those boarding platforms. So you take the railing off of one side and you can crank okay. up. You can, it's like 600 pounds or something, you know, just with your hand, crank up the wheelchair you can? and get the wheelchair okay. over the boarding platform. And we, we, we used it quite a few times uh, last year. No, I'm sorry, two years ago. And it worked great. This past year, there were two kids, I think it was two kids that were in motorized wheelchairs. And they're really heavy because of the batteries. Okay. So they're like 400 pounds or something. And the boat crew said, well, we can't really lift from where the boarding platform ramp is over to the boat, we can't lift them down into the boat because it's so heavy. We can't do it oh, safely. Oh, sure. Because, you know, it's like four to 600 pounds or something. Plus it's on, a lot. on water. <clears throat> so then you have to tell two kids when all their other friends can go out on this outing, you say, sorry, we can't accommodate you. Yeah. And I, this is where I'm going to get. And I said, well, that's not good enough. And mm. so we worked with the owners of the Manitou and a local welder, and mm. we had a special ramp built, custom-made, it's removable, it's portable, that we place inside the Manitou so that they can use the wheelchair lift to get up to the boarding platform. They can motorize, you know, use their, their wheelchair motor to go across the threshold onto another platform inside the boat and then down a ramp inside the boat so that they can... Be, so oh, we my can, God. It was $5,000, right, for that second ramp. But you know what? We're going to be able to use it forever, you know? Right, um, right. And, yeah. and, and so you think when about... When you see those smiles, you go, well, that was money well spent. Well, you know, it's impressive that you can articulate it that way. Because, you know, some people may look at it and is it a hard ROI? You know, where is the return on investment there? 
an emotional return on investment is okay for some people and not okay for others, which is quite remarkable. And thinking about you know, why you do things, Stephanie, you grew up in Lansing, correct? Just outside of Lansing. Outside yeah. of Lansing. Mm-hmm. I received your bachelor's in elementary education and an MS in community agriculture, recreation, and resource studies from MSU. Yeah. What initially was the dream for you before that? Oh, that's a great question. You know, the dream. Yeah. The dream. So I wanted to be an elementary school teacher from kindergarten until about my junior year of college. And I love kids. I still love working with kids. But I just realized that the formal classroom setting wasn't for me. I like working with kids outside. I worked at summer camps for seven summers through college and grad school. And that's just more of my more my style. And so I pursued my master's degree thinking that I would build eventually a child-centered nature center. So it would be this series of huts. So I, I studied, my thesis was actually on, I partnered with a local nature center in Lansing, and we actually designed a nature play area, which they've since developed one. Yeah, we actually built one. It's still there, which is shocking. You know, I was a grad student. I barely knew what I was doing, and it was designed. You're shocked that it's still there? (laughs) Um, There's that confidence. (laughs) Wow. Well, to be, you know, it was a master's. I I was like 24, 25 years old, and to be um, working with this group of kids to design this thing and the fact that it's still there is really cool. And so my dream... Originally was to, you know, I wanted to run a nature center, but that was child centric. It wasn't just about walking on a path because kids need to explore and interact with nature in order to develop that relationship with it. And then I I moved up here and I've obviously the lake is a huge component of living in northern Michigan and having the opportunity to work for organizations that focus on the water and making sure that All people have access to the water and learning about Great Lakes Ecology and all of those sorts of things. We're still related to kind of my dream nature center. And once in a while, I'll throw out ideas to Matt of like, oh, could we do this on the campus? And he's usually pretty receptive. So I'm hoping that (laughs) whatever we do. I'm sure there's not, they're not all yeses. (laughs) You know, that previous story aside. Some are hell yeses. Oh, oh my gosh. I'm feeling that. I'm feeling that. That's fantastic. And so it feels like because you did fundraising for Goodwill previously, so this is a kind of a nice, perfect marriage of things that you're able to do as a job. Yeah, it's and, been and really fun. And be happy fun. in it and, and be proud of what you do. And so you were picking wild blackberries in your parents' backyard and you were inspired by the outdoors. You were inspired mm-hmm. by, was there somebody in your history that inspired you towards wanting to give or was it over time? Um, That's a really good question. Um, So as far as like being outdoors, my dad is an avid outdoorsman. And I'm so grateful that I grew up with a dad who I have a sister, me and my sister. And he treated us, you know, for lack of a better phrase, as if he had two sons growing up mm-hmm. in the, we were born in the 80s, and that wasn't necessarily typical back then. You know, the whole girl dad thing wasn't really yeah. celebrated back then. And yeah. so it was, it's really cool that he introduced us to the outdoors and really made it a part of our lives at such a young age. And I think I look back on those experiences and think, 
wow, there are a lot of kids who live around here who maybe they don't have a parent that can do that, but we can be a place to help introduce youth to the outdoors, whether it's through one of our partner organizations or one of our programs or something like that. And right. so, yeah. Right. Those inspirations are are fascinating to me because people who do good, they have, there are things that, that connect them, but there's also a lot of differences. And Matt, you went to MSU as well, correct? Correct. And resource development, emphasis on water. Yep. And... You'd worked in water rights and in fisheries in places like Wisconsin, Montana, I believe. Yeah. And those kind of experiences, something like that, is your pedigree completely necessary for this job that you do right now? Or are there things that you're glad that you had, but, you know, maybe would have tried doing something else? It's really the path that I took, I think, led me helped me develop the skill sets that I have now that I think made me qualified for the job that I hold now. And so, yeah, I mean, I had a strong connection and interest in water resources, you know, fisheries and hydrology and all that when I was in college and and, and pursued that for a few years after that. But then I got really into the private land conservation movement. I worked for two different land conservancies for almost 20 years in Michigan. And had a wonderful title, Director of Land Protection. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> what yeah. color was the cape? Yeah, there exactly. Should have yeah. been one. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and not to, you know, poke fun, but I mean, it's, I think that's something that I find fascinating because who inspired you along the way? Was it in pop culture? Was it because a lot of us are guided and a lot of guys are guided by things that are popular or, or may get girls or something? But who, was there anybody that inspired you to do this kind of unique thing? Oh, boy. Not really. It was something that I found and found solace in. I had kind of a troubled youth, to be honest, and came from a not ideal family situation and also had some bad things happen to me when I was a kid. And so I found sort of solace in nature. And I think that's what drew me to that, you know? That was a place for me to get away and find my, you know, my solitude. Was and it my specifically peace. water that you found that solace or was yeah, it? Yeah, I grew a... up I grew up about a quarter mile from a little lake that had a little public access. And so I was down there a lot. You know, I'd fish a lot as a kid. It was yeah, it was not uncommon to I'd get off school bus, I'd grab my fishing pole and dig up some worms yeah. and just go fishing for a couple hours down at the lake kind of a thing. Well, I noticed, so. you know, there's something about the sound of water. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's in some of your videos. I realized when you open with the sound of water, you could probably be selling anything. <laughs> <laughs> you get that, that going and I, I don't know, it could be tire irons. And <laughs> right. uh, start with that sound of water and I'm, I'm in. And there's something really intoxicating about it. You know, I've always lived around water lived in Miami, lived in places closer to lakes, and it, it is inspiring. And it is something that so many people are prohibited by. Because mm -hmm. I thought about that when moving to Traverse City, this place that's so, there's so much coastline, but it can't be shared by everybody. It, it physically can't. So I feel from both of you that it's painful, that fact. I, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing it right now on, on your face. So... Yeah. How do you motivate yourself with that, and how do you also turn it off? Let me tell you a story. My wife is a school teacher. She's taught in the Traverse City Public Schools for 23 years. 
And the first about 10 years she was here, she taught at Traverse Heights Elementary. It's a elementary school right down the block from where we're talking. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it has a lot of kids that are considered at-risk youth, right? They come from, I think that's the term they use, at-risk, because they meet certain criteria, you know, maybe single-parent home or, right. you know, or b- below a certain income threshold. Mm-hmm. And she used to ask her students, first day of the school year, every year, how many kids had a chance to go out to sleep in Bear Dunes? Maybe one would raise their hand. And then she'd say, and we're, we're from the school, we're maybe a mile from as a crow flies to the bay. Mm-hmm. Then she'd say, how many kids had a chance to go swimming at the bay? How many went down to the beach this summer in town? Mm-hmm. Maybe one would raise their hand. Okay. And to me, that was... And then she started, she did that the first year, just kind of out of coincidence, just to try to create a connection because yeah, it's what we did all the time, right? Sure. We always went out to Sleeping Bear. We always went you to assume. the beach. Yeah. Yeah. And so she was just trying to, you know, kind of get the conversation started. And so after that first year, though, she realized like, wow, these kids don't have that opportunity for any number of reasons. Mm-hmm. And then it was a common question because she was just curious if it changed. It never changed. Right. And so... I thought, well, I've never forgotten that. She's now teaching at a different school in the system, but I've never forgot that. And I carried that with me with this job. And that's where it kind of went into the program. And I thought, all right, like when we look at the assets that we have, well, some of the assets are our partners, right? And yeah. the vessels that they own. Right. And so one of the first things I did was renegotiated all the leases with even our business partners, like the Manitou, and said, all right, guys, not only going to pay me rent, market rate rent to be here, I need free trips. Free trips for kids. So CEO stuff right there. That's right. <laughs> That's yeah. first time CEO business. And so that was fun to listen to. Yeah. You know, we get so now we get five free charters oh, and a hundred tickets or something, or I don't know, I think you know, for the Manitou. And then we use those with both organized groups, like big groups, like, hey, we're gonna, you know, can and we and we always work with them. Like we're not I'm not asking to book a, a charter on a july friday afternoon when they're kicking off would otherwise we kicking off 60 passengers i'm That's you know, we, kind of you. yeah right well you know we've got this great relationship so we're, we're working with them to get some charters booked in the mornings in june when they don't really have customers anyway so it works out really well and gives their staff some training opportunities but what it does for us it gets kids on the water most of whom have never been on a boat in their life yeah so, there, there's a statistic in one of your videos and only four out of way too many kids had been on a a boat of any kind. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and raised and born and raised in this area. Exactly. And again, there there's that assumption. I mean, any of us who have kids who grew up here, and we moved here a little later, but our kids kind of grew up here. We don't want them out there assuming, oh, you didn't go to the beach every summer, and oh, you know, there's wineries that mom and dad like, and you didn't grow up like this. So there is that mentality, even. I think with people who live here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so raising awareness of this. Now, on a fundraising level, obviously I'm looking at you, but is fundraising one everybody's role in the organization? Now, and I don't mean that literally, <laughs> but is that everybody's role? Yeah. Do you, yeah. as are you out there all the time, like always finding a potential partner? <laughs> I'm not trying to, you don't have to reveal secrets, but I'm just wondering what's the yeah. state and what's, your strategy and what's your philosophy there? Yeah. We're in a constant state of fundraising. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything from programs to get these kids on the water and then follow up and find other program dollars to get them engaged with our part- some of our other partners. And we're in a constant state of fundraising 
for the improvements on the pier. We've got three phases of improvements planned for the pier. We're under construction in the first phase. And then we've got a big, 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 big plans for the campus with some other partners. But it's... Um, yeah, we're going to get to that if that's okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> for sure. So it's, you know, it's... It's it's not just the facilities and what the facilities will do for the community in, in partnership with NMC and Michigan Tech and some other organizations. It's also, it's what's that human connection? It's the story about that kid who'd never been on a boat yeah. and what their experience was like and the smile on their face and how they're now interested in working with one of our other partner organizations or being enrolled now in the Marine Technology Program at NMC. Yeah in their first touch in that kind of area was at the discovery pier through yeah. one of our programs. Yeah. You know, like those are wins, man. Mm -hmm. Like that moves the needle, right? Like That's significant. <laughs> yeah. That's significant. So when you're thinking about fundraising, because I'm here talking to you and I do anything for the both of you just after this time already, is it a, a slam dunk when you present? I mean, how can it not be right? You got these videos <laughs> And you play it, you got the kids, you got the ramp, the lights go on, they're wiping their eyes, checkbook's out. Hopefully. Not it's always. Gotta, not no, always. Not always. The message, your passion, you're done, right. right? I'm going to, uh, yeah, so here's the thing, right? And we live in a tremendous community. A good friend of mine said this to me about a year ago. He said, you know, Matt, he says, Traverse City punches above its weight class. They really do. That's what I like that. And you think about it, right? You think about, and I'll just point, I'm going to pick on some organizations that I volunteer for or serve on the board. Tart Trails, I'm on their board. <laughs> I mean, my God, what a, a tremendous organization, right? I mean, yeah. look at what they're doing. They're building trails all over the place. Yeah. Thousands of people are enjoying them every day right. in some cases. The trail counters, like on the board of Lake Trail. Norte, I mean, my God, what a great mission they've got. They're getting kids on right. bikes, building confidence, getting them outdoors, getting them active, showing them what a healthy lifestyle. So that, those are just two organizations. There's a long list of other organizations yeah. that make Traverse City what it is, really. It makes the community. We're competing with all of them for dollars. You know what I mean? And now obviously there's, and I say competing, we get together every month and talk about, hey, you know, like right. what's working for you guys? Oh, this is what's working for us. What's working for you? You know? And so it's a very collaborative community in that sense, you know, yeah. with some of the organizations, the conservancy, you know, but there's a finite number of donors and finite number of dollars. And they, many of them give to all of us, right? Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. So it's a competitive environment, both with public funding, governmental grant sources and private grant sources, you right. know, your foundations or individuals. So, yeah, I mean, I think it, I find there are donors where our mission, our stories they resonate with them. They go, oh yeah, all right, I get it. it. And it has compelled people to give. In some cases they go, that's great. I'm already committed out though this year. Let's meet next year. Um, I'd like to help you out. That's happened actually yeah. quite a bit. Matter of fact, I had coffee yesterday morning with a couple that said, oh, we really like what you're doing, but kind of committed. And this was last year, like, let's get together next year, I'll get together and, and talk about it. So yeah. Yeah. Well, that's part of the job up to the top. That's fascinating to me because you would think that you doing what you do, anybody who works with you would have that in their heart and it would just be surrounding them at all times, wherever they go. You are somebody who could support us. You are somebody. And that obviously is a culture that comes from the top down. So there's a new CEO, no, a first ever. And here you are. 
and you don't have to dish too much, but what's happening for you? What are you going through in all this? How is this communicated to you? And it's very clear that there's awesome synergy here. So you don't even have to go there. No, no listener has to wonder if this is fake, but, <laughs> but what, what is happening in your mindset at that time? And then clearly now there's some really cool things that we're about to talk about. It's just really exciting to be a part of a project where you actually feel really passionate about what you're doing and mm. what you're fundraising for. And I think it's easy for me to talk about what we do because I have such a passion for it. And like Matt mentioned, it's where we've always got our feet to the ground or whatever the saying is. Nose to the footstone. <laughs> yes, Grind yes, to you. the footstone. You know, we're, you're always hustling. Yeah, exactly. But we're trying to connect um, with the youth here. See, but at the same time, I think when you're honest and being genuine, and like our passion is communicated through conversations that we, it's not easy for us to talk about the work that we do and where we're trying to go and what we're trying to accomplish because we both are so passionate about getting more people access to the Great Lakes. And speaking of access and expanding things a little bit, Freshwater Research and Innovation Center. And I know this area is looking to be a leader in a lot of freshwater activities that are going on, looking at the e-boat corridor and things like that. So this seems like really good timing. And there's been some, I think, some recent good news for you uh, in this regard. But when you look at the website, because I know you have to talk about the dream and the vision, which is exciting, and you need these tools, but it talks about including incubation and accelerator space, requisite labs to support early startup business. And so there's still that campus mentality. Mm -hmm. That's sexy sounding. Like that's really <laughs> incubation and accelerator space and a focus on autonomous and remote technology. And even you're talking about how that affects shipping. That's really unbelievably fascinating. So again, what's happening? And again, there's been some recent news. If you want to talk about that, what can you share about the goings on with that? Yeah. Matt's the guy for that. Okay. So um, when I first started, I met with all of the organizations that rented space from us. And a lot of them, and then over the course of a couple of years, a lot of them said, we like being here, but we're not sure what our future looks like here. We had one organization say, we really can't grow here where we're at. We want to, we've had a good run here, but we'd like to, it's very likely we're going to we're already yeah. busting the seams. We want to move elsewhere where we can grow, you know, own our own space kind of a thing. And so we also have a campus full of buildings that are kind of getting past their useful life. And in fact, the watershed center used to occupy is completely shut down now because we have some old issues in it. You know, right. they're now located in the office that I'm in, the old family video building. <laughs> but one of the goals of our strategic plan that we did right out of the gate when I started was to kind of cast a broader net about, well, what should our future partners look like? How can we best utilize, what's the highest and best use mm -hmm. for this campus and for the pier? It's really unique. There's not a lot of places in Traverse City that have this deep water port and kind of mini marina yeah. that isn't either a private marina or a municipal marina. And this 19-acre property across the street that backs up to the Leelanau Trail and mm -hmm. everything else. Like, So a lot of things came together kind of both before, during, and soon after, well, not after COVID, I guess we're still in it. But one thing was that, you know, I reached out to NMC and their Great Lakes Water Studies Institute 
And I said, hey, tell me about what you do, what your vision, what your dreams are, what your vision is for your program, how you might want to grow it. And let me tell you a little bit about the Discovery Center and our property. And So first start is find somebody doing something. Kind of mission aligned. You know what I mean? Right. Like, hey, they're, they're into water education, right? Great Lakes education and science. So that conversation started. And they're like, well, you know, we've been around for, it was like, you know, 20 years or something at the time. But most people don't realize this. They don't have a big footprint at the Great Lakes campus. That's really the Maritime Academy mm -hmm. and the Culinary Institute. Right, right. Their classroom is at the airport for the Marine Technology Program. They've got a big water tank in the Parsons Stoolin building and some classroom space there. But they're like, we can't really grow the program with the facilities that we have, but we'd love to be able to have a facility that's more consolidated where right. we've got our research vessels and our classroom and our lab and all that. We're like, okay, that's interesting. And then I started talking with Michigan Tech. At that time, there was, our, this would be, you know, like 2019, there was already big effort underway to have Michigan Tech have a stronger presence in Traverse City mm -hmm. for a number of different reasons. And right before the pandemic, it was the February meeting of the Michigan Tech Grand Traverse Area Advisory Committee or something, <laughs> where Michigan Tech announced the three areas that they wanted to focus on in terms of their work in Traverse City, and one of which was Great Lakes Research. Right. And then the pandemic hit the next month. <laughs> and then, oh, I don't know, maybe a year and a half ago, I started talking with 20 Fathoms. 20 Fathoms, yeah. And they really see water technology. They're, they're really interested in kind of diversifying our economy, getting it away from just a tourism-based economy. But you know, really, how else can we help businesses start up, particularly right. in, the, in the technology sector right. and in the water technology? And so we started pulling all these organizations together to say, well, what might we be able to do together here? And it was amazing how quickly this vision came together for uh, quickly, for the center. Is, is, do you have a frame of reference for quickly? Just just curious, because the way things can run, just so people can, in your interpretation yeah. when you say well, quickly, because this sounds like a lot in a short amount of time. But Well, you know, it was a lot in a three-year time period. Now, I should also say that in 2020, Michigan Tech and NMC signed an MOU, a lot of <laughs> initials there, uh, memorandums for it. It's okay. right? <laughs> memorandums of understanding all around how they would work together in around Great Lakes education, Great Lakes research. Mm -hmm. So that was already there. Yeah. The ball was already to the 20. And then I'd say when over the course of about, gosh, I don't know, maybe nine months, six to nine months, we developed a vision statement for what this new center would be and what the roles and responsibilities of all the different parties involved would be. And there was a tremendous amount of synergy and one thing would feed the next, you know, from the education yeah. to the research, to the business incubation, to the, you know, commercialization of some of the technology that might be developed in research. The Discovery Center would be the conduit between the community and all this work so that they were aware and educated as to what the center does bringing in high school students to get them uh, psyched about. I feel about. like you're giving a lot of free advice right on oh, over the air. I mean, that's extraordinary. Yeah, kind of inspiring tomorrow's workforce, you know, getting yeah. kids excited about pursuing marine technology, Great Lakes How Sciences as a career. How keep everybody focused and moving forward? And I, I say that in all seriousness because you mentioned Michigan Tech, NMC, 20 Fathoms, all the different variables and getting all that done. What was the key to keeping everybody on task and to keep moving forward. I can take maybe one-fifth of the credit because the other partners were just as excited as I was about this opportunity. So 
we just said, hey, yeah, we got to get together every two weeks and meet and talk about how we can continue to move the ball down the field. We brought, you know, then Travers Connect got involved. They've played a tremendous role in helping us navigate and secure some public funding. Wonderful. Um, and we're still in the process. I mean, we're working on some pretty big requests. Well, at I've the seen moment, the so. rendering, 85,000 yeah. square feet. It's yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. Is that a corner <laughs> office, that glass corner office? It looks like that's, it. Is that yours, maybe? That's not. That, <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, it's not a good rendering. So we're actually working on getting that stuff done right now. That was something that one of the partners had said, yeah, this looks good. we got to put something on a piece of paper, a picture, <laughs> it, it, uh, along with our bullet points. I know it's contingent on the money that you raised yeah, and things yeah, yeah. like that, yep. but you've recently gotten... An infusion? Is that something you're able oh, to sure. talk about? Because yeah, that's exciting. Sure. Yeah, we got, it was interesting. We originally sought about uh, three, three to 500,000 bucks for planning, right? Mm-hmm. To do some preliminary site planning, conceptual design, building schematic kind of development, like like you saw, Yeah, which wasn't <laughs> informed. It was just a picture of a building that we thought we'd put on, on a piece of paper with the bullet points that we'd developed. And then also some of the financial modeling. What's the business plan, right, for, right. The, for the center? So we reached out to Senator Bergman's office, mm-hmm. and their staff said, well, that's a pretty small request for a federal earmark. You should probably consider asking for some more. So then we looked at, like, okay, well, what could we ask for that would be a good manageable number? We ended up asking for $3 bucks, and that $3 million was going to allow us to finish the pier. All the docks, the, right. the remaining docks, you know, for the research vessels, and a classroom and lab building on the pier. And we were... Very fortunate. Within within a couple of months, their office got back and said, well, you know, we've got it through your, the most difficult committee here in Washington, but we had to make some cuts. Can you work with something less than $3 million, or does it ha- is it an all or nothing? And I said, well, what are you thinking? He says, well, I think we can get you with $1.6 million. And I said, yeah, we can we can make $1.6 work. You know, I mean, I've got to match it, right? And right now, I'm, we're in the process of developing the plan with right. all the partners to how if we turn that back into $3 million so we can, you right. know, fulfill the original intent of that request. So yeah, that's that's the good news, and we're in the process right now. Work with both state and federal it, legislators. Is that? Do you consider that a what kind of step? A first big step, a step, a? Do you even consider that in terms like that? Oh yeah, no, that's the first big step for the new campus redevelopment, because the facilities that that will build on the pier are really set to serve those new partners more than anybody else. Yeah. And it's also going to be, it allows us to dip our toe in the water and go, all right, how are we going to work together to fundraise for that gap, right? And how are we going to make sure we're aligned on, you know, everybody, in, or, you know, we're going to, you know, do joint cultivation with donors and develop a joint case statement and all sure. that. So it's a good test for what we'll be doing across the street when we redevelop the campus. Right. So it's, I'd say it's the first step, big step toward, we did sign an MOU, all the CEOs and right. presidents of the colleges and all that, mm-hmm. signed an agreement about a year ago right. to, to actually put right. the new center in place. But this is the first time that we've actually got some money now to kickstart It's that. wonderful. It's now, great. I know there was a recent push to, to bring some space technology to the Traverse City area mm-hmm. with satellite launches, and I understand that hasn't really come to fruition. And is this similar to something like that? Could this be transformative, bringing jobs, bringing, obviously it's bringing education, bringing access and awareness, and hopefully instilling passion in young people for the Great Lakes and their preservation and understanding. But is there anything else that you're, are you hoping it, it could be that big? Oh, absolutely. It's, that's what really sets the new center apart from other like research centers, for example, is that business incubation 
component of it. Right. You know, there's lots of areas that do research, right? Great Lakes research. I mean, one, there's not any that are really focused on marine technology like this will be. But what kind of the icing on the cake is that economic development, the job creation, business development component to that. So, yeah, no, that's that's a key part of this. It's incredibly exciting. And, you know, I was a little tongue-in-cheek on the rendering, but it, it did... it. Did evoke the emotion. I could see it. I could see the energy. That right. corner office looked amazing. But before we go, I'm thinking about a question for both of you that, and, and maybe it is a little on the emotional side, but when you look at what you do and all the things that you're able to give to young people, to families, right? And the work that you've done, have these experiences working with and giving access to people, have you found that it's changed how you approach something in your life? something simple maybe in your work or personal life in the work that you've done? I think maybe for me, it's just being more intentional about certain things. I can't think of like a specific example, but I'm so passionate about our mission and connecting all people to the Great Lakes and focusing on those populations that have been left behind. And I think making sure that and anything that I do that I'm intentional about including more voices and bringing more people to the table and making sure that that everybody is included in the value of diversity. And yeah, so that's for me, I, mm, that's multiple wonderful. perspectives, you know, yeah. is important. Matt, anything when you think about it is maybe unconsciously changed how you've approached something in your work life or your personal life? I don't know if if it's changed how I anything in my personal life or how it's changed how I think, I kind of look at it from all the different benefits, all the positive outcomes that'll come from this, right? So let's start with the basics. Jacques Cousteau said once, people protect what they love, right? Mm -hmm. Well, how does love develop, right? It develops through like fun and meaningful experiences with, it could be a person, could be a natural resource, right? Right. And we want to be a place where that happens, right? And not just for people that are able-bodied, because then you're missing a big segment of the population. So let's make sure everybody has that, because then it essentially turns everybody into a, a stronger Great Lakes steward, right? Because they're, you know, ultimately they're going to be protecting what they love. Well, let's make sure they have a place to have those experiences where that love can develop, right? You think about that. You think about let's make sure that the campus access onto the research vessels, access into the classroom there is accommodating for everyone because otherwise you're missing out on a segment of the population that can be incredible students, incredible teachers, incredible professionals in their field. Yeah. But you don't want it to be limited because, well, they couldn't participate in that program because they were in a wheelchair. You know what I mean? So there's a huge positive outcome because all of a sudden you're casting a wider net for better Great Lakes researchers to help solve the complex problems that are facing the Great Lakes, right? So where it turns what might be a eight into a 10, right? You know, to be able to say, yeah, we're accommodating everybody for all these different reasons. That's incredible perspective. And, And I'm so thankful that you're able to come here and talk about this because it's awareness to so many people who may not even think that they can have access and knowing that there is a place that they can. And maybe if they're not from Michigan, maybe they have to travel mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. That's okay. And Michigan just isn't for Michiganders, although I think a lot of us like to think it is. 
but that's all right. And how can somebody support, donate, get involved in any possible way? Is it the website? Can you share how, how anybody can connect with you all? Yeah. If you check out our website, discoverygreatlakes.org, we've got some donate buttons on there. You can also shoot us an email and we'd love to have a chat with you about what we do and where we're going. And if you have a chat with Stephanie, ask her if it's true <laughs> that there was a Bob Ross breakdance battle <laughs> at your true. wedding. He said he had true. something. I, I didn't. Oh, wow. That that's true. great. He may have received a trophy for his... Uh, Trophy should be in the studio, but it's actually. <laughs> oh, you were a part of this? <laughs> yeah. Listen, you show up to DJ somebody's wedding <laughs> with, with the with an awesome Bob Ross with a costume. Halloween theme. Halloween theme. Oh, wedding. oh yeah. dude. Oh, yeah. See, we, I would we want dance an invite against him. If all the listeners want to invite to the epic <laughs> Halloween parties that you throw. Wow. Um, dude, nothing will make you feel like a child again, like being in a room full of men and women who grew up as camp counselors <laughs> and they're singing old camp songs and somebody else shows up dressed like Bob Ross and naturally it's either you fight to death or you dance or off. You, or, you, yeah. or, you, or you break dance fight. I think that's the, the reasonable way to solve that. Yeah, yeah. we like, solved it. Like gentle people. <laughs> well, Matt and Stephanie, thank you so much for, for being here and thank you so much for your pursuits and to all of those who pursue along with you, ensuring everyone possible has the opportunity to experience and be inspired by the Great Lakes. Thank you guys you. are wonderful. This has been so great. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much yeah, for the opportunity. And to our listeners, thank you all for listening and thank you for pursuing the positive. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us again on the Pursuit of Podcast, the Pursuit of Discovery Center and Pier. We want to thank Matt McDonough and Stephanie Rustam for joining us on today's episode. For more information on how you can support Discovery Center and Pier, please visit discoverygreatlakes.org. Link will be in the show notes. And as always, for all things audio, video, and podcast related, Check us out at newleonard.com.